Welcome everyone to yet another episode of Average Sean Podcast. Uh, as always, Chris is with me. Chris, I would ask how you're feeling, but uh, seeing as we know that you have now tested positive for COVID, uh, I'm going to assume the answer is not great. Yeah, the vid finally got me. Fully vaxxed, boosted, you know. Uh, so far feeling okay. Feels like allergies. Uh, some some fatigue, but other than that, you know, I'm I'm happy to be here, watching the Caps game. What would make me feel a lot better is that the Caps won tonight and Friday night. How's that? I mean, it would be nice if they just put Florida away. Uh, I will say that Washington. I, I've been down on them, and admittedly, it's because I've been trying to temper expectations because uh, Towson basketball gave me my first taste of real hope. Uh, this past year and they let me down and it crushed me and hope is a dangerous drug uh, I'm trying to stay off that narcotic right now but it's it's hard I will admit I took a look at tonight's matchup I was like this is this is looking juicy so we'll, we'll get more into the NHL in a, in a minute uh, let's start actually with the Premier Lacrosse League uh, they just had their collegiate draft last night uh, for those who may or may not know too much about the sport won't go too crazy in depth just because, you know, um, we're not a lacrosse specific podcast. So I don't want to bore you with lacrosse stuff when, you know, I'm just trying to get people more interested in the game. You're growing uh, the game, Sean. Give yourself yeah, some credit. Fair enough. Uh, but the first thing that jumps off the page, uh, anyone who pays attention to lacrosse knows that uh, Chris Gray out of North Carolina was considered across the board to be like the consensus pick to be the number one overall selection. And Chrome, who had the first pick, actually uh, went away from him and went to Logan Wisnowskis out of Maryland. Uh, it, not, the, not the most obvious pick, probably surprised some people. Uh, I will say probably the biggest reason why it's a surprise is because Maryland's offense is just so balanced that it's not like he really stands out above everybody else. So if you're watching them, you're like, well, why are you taking this guy over everybody? And then you look at it and realize, Oh, oh, this guy has the career record for points at Maryland. And it's not like Maryland is a small time program. That is yeah. blue as blue bloods can get, despite the fact that they're none of their colors are blue. Uh, but yeah, like he's just been a consummate, essentially pro at the collegiate level. And style wise, he seems to fit well into the Chrome offense. Uh, Chris Gray did not last long after that. He, uh, went to Atlas after, which him and Jeff Teat, who's already on the Atlas, the two of those together on an attack line is an absolutely juicy combination. Like people are just salivating over watching those two play together. Um, and there's another attackman who they have. They picked out a Georgetown last year. I always forget his name and it kills me. But the three of them together, like you've got two guys going into their second year and one guy who's going to be a rookie. So all thought processes is you've got your attack line locked for a long time. Um, after that Redwoods drafted a Notre Dame defenseman. Um, if you pay attention to the league at all, you'll know that in this case, that is another sign that water is in fact wet. <laughs> uh, and then just a cereal look, soup though. Quick little plug. Um, I'm going to leave that one. <laughs> uh, quick little Towson love plug. Uh, we have uh, Kobe Smith, the only Towson player drafted, but he went in the top five. So awesome. 
Uh, Chris, what is your initial thoughts taking a look at this draft and being kind of more of a casual fan? Well, I have to say, Sean, you're, you're, you're opening my eyes to this, to, well, to the PLL as a whole. And right before we logged on, you know, I'm like firing questions at you left and right, just trying to like learn more about the league and whatnot. Um, I mean, draft wise, I think it's really interesting one to see how the league approaches the you know with the college season coming to a, a you know coming to a conclusion and the pro season starting but i know you mentioned that there's also obviously the indoor league um and like figuring out what all that means how players can be kind of owned by two different teams um and i i guess you know questions that come to mind are which you kind of answered about with the first pick um you know do do teams typically go with you know best overall player that's available do they go with systematic needs? I guess it's all, you know, scheme and based off of coaching style and whatnot. Um, but then, you know, my next question is, is it like other leagues where rookies are like low men on the totem pole or, or are these guys because they're fresh out of college, which is also considered, you know, obviously extremely high level of play. Is the transition smooth? Like what, what's the overall deal with that? Uh, so truthfully, there's really, there's no, like, you got to kind of hit this level to be, you know, considered somebody like, you don't have to really pay your dues to get into the lineup. If you're good, you're good. Like you're, you're going in. So Jake Carraway, that's his name. Always forget it. I've heard of that guy. (laughs) Yeah. He he was, he was really good. He was a Torton finalist, um, in his last year in college. But Caraway and T are both examples of how you really don't need to be like a, a dupe. Terrible English. You don't really need to pay your dues because T, who didn't play at all uh, before his rookie year um, for like, I think it was over 500, 600 some days, thanks to the Ivy League being a bunch of punks and refusing to let their kids play. Uh, Teat decided to finish his uh, his degree at Cornell as opposed to transferring somewhere else uh, just to play. So he, he was out for a while and he was immediately plugged into the starting lineup. Same time you go to Archer's uh, Grand Ament the year before uh, comes out of college, immediately put into the starting lineup. Hmm. So and honestly, it's because like as soon as these guys are in, you know, they, they do have a training camp. Uh, so they do get to get used to playing with the guys who are there. but some of these guys are just able to develop that chemistry so quickly. And even without the chemistry, some guys are just so good. Like you can't keep them out of the lineup. It's immense. One of those teats, one of those uh, Chris gray is definitely going to be one of those when he gets in there Wisnowskis will probably be in there to start, but he's not one of those guys that you look at as like a generational talent. So, you know, it's, it's one of those where, you don't really pay your dues. You just fit in where you, where like you're needed. And if you're needed as like supplemental, then you, you play the supplemental role. But you know, if you're a, a generational talent like that, then buddy, you're going right into the fire. Well, so uh, let me ask you about our Towson guy, Kobe Smith. So we talked to him about him a few weeks ago, right? Getting drafted. Was he projected to be a top 10 or top oh, yeah. five or oh, yeah. I guess? Top He's, 10 is not even an accurate statement in this league. It's, I guess, a first-round <laughs> <eight>. pick. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, he's he's been widely considered a top five, top first-round 10, whatever number you want to put on it, worthy pick for the longest time. Like, he's been 
he's been designated as that since like close to the end of his sophomore year going into his junior year because I actually thought last year was his senior year based on how much everybody was talking about him. Maybe it was. I think maybe he just took a COVID year. I, I don't know. But people have known about Kobe Smith for a long time because he the is. Guy? Uh, yeah, I think he went to like Calvert Hall. Okay. So he he is, uh, as one might say, hashtag good. Yep. So uh, it's it's interesting how these things up. I actually don't know if he's going to start right away. I would assume that he is. Oh, sorry. He went to Loyola Blakefield. Okay. Uh, sorry. The other side of Towson. Wow. Yes. He literally, for those of you who don't know, Loyola Blakefield is maybe a mile away from Towson University. <laughs> if that's, that. That's being pretty generous. Yeah. Uh, it's but, lacrosse hot, hot heaven though. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where like he, he probably will start. I just don't know what his role is going to look like because he got drafted to Atlas and while their offense has been set, their defense has been trying to figure out, you know, what is the best role for everybody to play? Because, you know, you can't have everybody be a lockdown number one defender because in lacrosse, like you're, you're just going to get beat. Whether you're playing JV public high school in Maryland lacrosse or whether you're in the PLL, there's, there's going to be times where you just get beat in a one-on-one matchup. So you got to figure out like, okay, who's best as like the defensive coordinator, figuring out the slides uh, on the field, figuring out, you know, where everybody needs to be, who's going, who's got to recover, who's moving to what spot. Um, Who's your best guy to be the one who's helping out and recovering, you know, based on his matchup. And then at the same time, you know, you do still need a lockdown defender. So who's going to be that guy? It's, it's very interesting. You know, once you get up there trying to figure out, like the kind of game within the game on the defensive side of the ball, because it's probably the most basic position in terms of like roles and responsibilities, but those get expanded pretty quickly once you get past the surface. Right now. And so just once again, I apologize for the stupid questions, but PLL is a different game than the college game, right? Different number of players, same size field. What, like, what's the? The only difference is that they took ten yards out of the middle of the field to try to help the pace of the game. That's right. I remember you saying that. Yeah. So that that's the only thing that's different. Same number of players. I mean, the rosters are smaller, but that's because you know, as opposed to being a college team where you can just have a ton of walk-ons, uh, you're actually paying these guys, so you kind of have to fit within your budget. True. And it's it's not like the PLL is the NFL yet, where you have just like crazy money sitting around. So. Rosters are smaller, I think more so just out of necessity. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so with that, the co- uh, the college tournament also is getting underway. Uh, right now, the opening round games are being played. Uh, neither How are those of that, going, Sean? <laughs> neither of those are particularly interesting. Uh, Vermont won 15-3. Uh, and Delaware is in the third quarter against Robert Morris, and Delaware is winning 10 to 2. So, congratulations, Vermont. You had an easy win today, only to travel down to Maryland on Sunday and get your dicks kicked in. Sorry, guys. Except, well, not, so not really. <laughs> so, so, digging a little deeper, obviously, Maryland's number one overall, Georgetown's number two. Any, any uh, you know, dark horses that we should be looking out for? Well, I don't know if you've caught on to this yet, but 
six teams from the Ivy League have made it into the tournament. But the true dark horse, in all honesty, is Virginia sitting at unseeded. Because, yeah, I think maybe college hockey does the same thing, but they've got, you know, like the first eight seeds are seeded. Everybody else is unseeded. And I think they do the first round primarily just on like location to try Mm -hmm. and like minimize mileage between the schools. Yeah. Vermont coming down to Maryland, that was a little bit of a, a little bit of a stretch. Uh, but Virginia is unseated. They're the two-time defending national champs. And their two best players, Matt Moore, who just got drafted in the first round of the PLL draft, he's been nicked up all season. If he's healthy just a little bit more than he has been, that's a completely different looking team. Uh, and also Connor Schellenberger, who by all accounts, he should be able to leave college early to go in the PLL because he is he, he's good. He's he's pro ready. You can get uh, drafted after two years? No, no. Uh, well, you might be able to, but nobody's done it yet, so the precedent hasn't been set. I, there's, okay. I don't believe that there's a rule like the NFL where you have to be in college for three years before you go, but just nobody's done it yet. But if there's anybody who'd be ready to do it, it it's him. He's, he's just that good. But he's been like a little bit in a, in a funk, which I, I know I just said he's that good, but no matter who you are, people get in funks. If he, if he breaks out of that, I mean, going up against Brown, they came on late towards the end of the season, but they were inconsistent throughout the season. You know, they, they're 10 and five, which the record looks good, but play wise, they definitely weren't that great. And when they hit the Ivy League tournament, they were hosting as the number one seed and they got beat by Penn. So not a great look. So if Virginia beats them, Virginia got absolutely thrashed by Maryland earlier in the season. And the trade-off for that is, you know, you think, okay, Virginia really wasn't that good against Maryland. You think they have no chance against them, but that does open the door for the guys on Maryland to be like, oh yeah, like we, we beat the crap out of these guys earlier in the season. Why should we take them seriously now? Cause they weren't anything then. And with Maryland being undefeated, it's a little bit hard to keep yourself motivated at that point. Cause they have not just been undefeated. They have been, destroying people so maybe a little bit of complacency who knows uh so i would say virginia as the top option uh Rutgers and harvard neither team really deserves to be in the tournament in my opinion uh cornell ohio state i don't really know much about cornell i do have to say i i do not like cornell's jerseys random thought but i just i don't like their jerseys I got to look it up now. They're just, they're very, I don't know, bland. Bland? Yeah, I was going to say their hockey jerseys are terrible. Yeah. Uh, I'd say, like, if I had to pick another Dark Horse, because uh, I feel like Dark Horse is probably outside the top four, uh, Princeton would probably be my best bet because they didn't even make it into the Ivy League tournament. So nobody's seen them for a while. Hey, man, that's uh, 20 minutes south of me. Yeah. Not so- even. I pass it every day on the way to work. Yeah, they'll be uh, hosting Boston U this uh, Saturday at noon. So, good well, luck to the Terriers. I've got, I've got the vid. So, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so those are probably my dark horses. Betting wise, though, people are going to have money on Maryland. So if Maryland goes undefeated, so they 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 plow through the tournament, mm-hmm. do they go down as like one of the best teams ever? Like, what's the uh, I know that's a very loaded question. 
It's hard to say because when you think of best teams ever, you think of teams that have star power. And yes, Logan Wisnowskis did get drafted number one overall, but like I just said a little while ago, the team is just so balanced that nobody really stands out above anybody else. Like there are guys on that team that I was looking at and they're scoring multiple goals in the game. I'm like, who are you? Hmm. Just, just because like, there's so many different people who can come at you. I think maybe besides Wisnowskis, like Roman Puglisi might be the biggest name on that team just because he's been a starter forever. So it's hard to not know who he is, but he's a short stick defensive midfielder. So not exactly the flashiest position. I want to say yes, but there's also a big, big asterisk on this tournament that a lot of people, no matter who wins it, a lot of people are going to look at the fact that both Notre Dame and Duke got shafted out of getting into the tournament, especially in comparison to Ohio State, and I'd even say Harvard. Uh, When you stack up their resumes, especially with how they've been playing late in the season, Notre Dame was a team that could very easily be cutting down the nets at the end of Memorial Day. Also, Duke, they've been up and down, but they have a bevy of talent across the board. And really the whole reason why they got shafted is just because the ACC didn't have a conference tournament. But Hmm. like nobody who watched Ohio State play and then looked at Notre Dame play would look at that and say, oh yeah, Ohio State's the the more deserving team. It's it's just, I test it, all you want, take a look. Their metrics weren't better than Notre Dame's. So whether it's, you know, the numbers or the eye test, like Notre Dame should be in this tournament. And I don't really like Notre Dame or Duke. So wait, you don't like Duke. <laughs> I'm not going to go on another rant today, uh, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where I'm sitting going like, dude, like even I can sit here and say, yeah, they deserve to be in the tournament. So it's going to be hard for everybody to say, Oh, one of the best teams ever, because there's going to be that asterisk of everybody's looking at those teams very confident that they should be in the tournament. I mean, lacrosse Twitter was going insane when the tournament bracket got announced because people were big mad. So it's kind of nice to see these smaller. I mean, granted, it's kind of like an Ivy League tournament, but it's kind of nice to see these lesser known lacrosse schools in the tournament, like Richmond. Yeah. I... Richmond's been in before. They're just. That, that conference is so just kind of like low key. I, and I'm actually kind of disappointed that they're in because they beat Jacksonville and Jacksonville being in the tournament would have been so much more fun in my eyes. Whoa, actually. Yeah. Let me ask you that. So Jacksonville was stacked, right? They like kind of tore through the regular season and they don't get in. Yeah. It, the, the SOCON is a one bid league because no matter what Jacksonville did, in the uh, in their non-conference, unless they were to like go to Maryland and beat Maryland, they beat Duke. Uh, they beat somebody else off the top of my head who's really good. I don't, I don't remember, but just because of the way that the rest of their conference is set up, that it, it isn't given the prowess to get into a tournament field this small. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. I, if I were them, I would be so pissed. Yeah, I mean, I don't know though because you want to be pissed. But at the same time, you like you go into your conference tournament knowing what the deal is. It, it's no secret that your conference is a one bid league. 
So that like them knowing what the deal is, they're probably more like disappointed than anything else. True. Yeah. Well, that that'll be what we do for lacrosse right now, because we actually have a big time guest coming on next Monday. Uh, he is an ESPN lacrosse announcer. I'll leave it at that. Uh, but be ready for him to come in. It's going to be a ton of lacrosse talk next week. And I'll probably throw in some more fun questions. Uh, Why do you think I'm asking so many questions, Sean? (laughs) Well, I expect my phone to probably be peppered over the weekend, seeing as you'll have nothing to do, Mr. Coco. I prefer to call it the vid. I'm I'm a fan of calling it the Coco. The Coco? Yeah. But uh, let's let's jump over to NHL, because as we're sitting here, uh, playoffs are still going on. We're still in the first round. Uh, much to our delight, Washington is currently up one to nothing. Uh, but knowing how this series has gone, everything is made up. Nothing is nothing matters because everybody also expected Florida to just like wax Washington. I personally expected them to wax Washington. So I did all like a lot of the crosstalk. Chris, where are we at with this and everything else that's going on right now? Man, I mean, I, I think uh, so. Last night was the first time since like the 50s that there were five game or sorry four game fives in the same night which if you take a closer look all but two series were tied at 2-2 obviously changed after last night um and those two series one of which ended in an absolute smashing of the smashville predators um yes pun fully intended there and the other being the penguins and rangers um which are they're currently playing game five right now but pens are up three to one in that series. Um, man, I mean, it's been the playoffs are a different season. I mean, and you're seeing that all these teams are so good and so close. And obviously, Nashville not not having a great first look, you know, uh, first round. Um, I mean, we kind of felt that way. Like whoever was on the back end of the Western Conference playoffs, we kind of felt like they were almost like sneaking in, right? Yeah, man. And I think that one of the, and I mean, that they're, they've been back and forth in their series, but Dallas, you know, was on the bubble for a while. Um, and them not getting the eighth seed and sliding up at, on like basically the last day of the regular season to the seventh seed is, was massive. I mean, cause now they're um, what, well now they're down three to two to Calgary, but they were tied two, two with Calgary. I mean, that not that Calgary is an easier team, but they match up way better. Um, I mean, it, it's close. I, I'm not sure what exactly you're looking. If you want me to dissect every single series, um, I'll tell yeah, you, McJesus, I mean, McJesus is on the brink now. Um, you really got to dig at me with the McJesus every time. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I think that last night was uh, the highlight of the night for me was the Leafs beating, coming back to beat Tampa great game um <clears throat> leafs were trailing in the third and uh you know ended up coming back to win uh i i think fatigue is setting in i think we're seeing the the multiple playoff runs and regular seasons and you know COVID aside you know i think that tim has played a lot of hockey in the past few years and uh yeah, i think it's catching up to them uh I don't know how far Toronto will go, but I mean, getting over Tampa in the first round is a big deal. Like no one wants to play Tampa. Um, now, fun fact, the Caps, if they win, they go to Tampa, they go to Toronto, which is a series that I would love to see. 
Um, the Caps, man, I mean, I think the Caps are a pretty big story within themselves. You kind of hinted on it that the first round, uh, everyone expected Florida to just kind of steamroll them. The Caps have shown, I mean, I'll be honest, the Caps have been the better team in every game. Um, the only game, I guess, a side would be the bat, the last two periods of the second game when they got throttled. But the first period of that game, they were the better team. Um, gave up some some weird bounce goals. And um, since then, we've gotten to experience the Samsonov um, ride as I'm watching him make a save right now. And I just get nervous every single time. <laughs> Dude, I mean, you, I, I'm sure it's the same in lacrosse, but like you kind of have like Overall, you have two contrasting goalie styles. One of goalies that are very sound positionally and make every save look easy. And then you have the guys that are just kind of like wild freaks and just throw their bodies everywhere. Um, and Sam Sonov is definitely in that school. Vanacek is kind of in the other school, more sound. And I mean, man, it is unreal. Like watching Sam Sonov play, I just get so nervous every single time. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? But he somehow makes a save. Um, so I hope that keeps up. Um, obviously game four was an absolute heartbreaker. Um, <sighs> yeah. Hope is a dangerous drug. Yeah. I mean, but man, I mean, if they'd hit that empty net, if, right. If is if, always the if. Big, big if. Yeah. Oh man. Caps are, are weathering the storm right now though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, I I think uh, if oil if the Oilers get eliminated tomorrow by the Kings, it'll be very interesting to see what the Oilers do. They added pieces this offseason that they all that they claimed were going to be the, you know, the the magic potion to get them over the the hump. They need goaltending. Um, they need defense. They need guys to take the pressure off of McDavid and, and uh, Drysaitel. Um, obviously, they they made the big splash of of signing Evander Kane. Which, politics aside, you know, he's been great for them. Um, I, it pains you to say that. I can see it all. Over oh man, years. I mean, it it's just like that. Wouldn't it pain you to say that Deshaun, if Deshaun Watson comes back and has maybe not an MVP caliber season, but is good? Wouldn't that pain you, considering all the off-field stuff? Yeah, I not mean, to say he hasn't deserved a second chance, but this is like Evander Kane's like eighth chance. I mean, I feel like the more apt comparison would be Greg Hardy, but that's just because I I. There's so many details about the Deshaun Watson case that are so weird and not worth getting into right now. That is that, true. That just make it like so hard to figure out. But regardless, it is messed up. Fill yeah. in with another four letter word. Um, I was going to go five letter word and just say weird. Yeah, well, the Deshaun <laughs> Watson case. I don't think that the the Evander Kane case is all that weird. He's oh well, yeah, yeah. He's got issues. Kane. <laughs> yeah, he's got issues. Um. Yep. Let's see. I mean, otherwise, man, I mean, uh, last night was the draft lottery. Top three are Arizona. Uh, sorry. Well, Arizona got three. Jersey got the second slot. And Montreal got the first. This draft class is going to be interesting. These are the guys that have been most impacted by COVID. Um, so development is kind of all over the place. Shane Wright is a name that I guess a few years ago, you, you we we heard rumblings of, and it's like, oh, is he the next McDavid? You know, the big number one prospect. But as a whole, this is more so of a meaty draft class, where it's not a ton of like high skill guys, but more so are those core second and third line pieces, and and it's actually a fairly deep defensive draft. Um, next year's draft, man, we'll talk about that. 
a year from now. But next year's draft <laughs> is on like next year's draft is a generational draft. Wet, wet my appetite a year in advance. I love it. So with, with that in mind, though, Colorado, they're they're done with their first round series. Honestly, is that is that a good thing? See, I, you can look at it two ways. One, they lost their starting goalie um, in game four. A freak accident, like the helmet got turned and like the puck ended up hitting him in the face. Ooh. Honestly, I was at a gig, so I, I did I saw him flailing around afterwards. I haven't actually seen the play. I've saw seen some clips um of the aftermath, but um as Sam Sonoff makes another save for us. Um I, I'm I'm of the opinion that it's not, man. And I'll say this that that the Avs are kind of in the spot where the caps were a few years ago where the first round was, I mean, an issue, obviously it's never easy, but it's the second round. That's the hurdle to get over. And that's where the abs are now. And I don't know. I mean, you can look at it at two sides where it's like, well, this team is so stacked that maybe the time off won't hurt them. I'm of the opinion that momentum is key as you're seeing with like the Kings, for example, you know, and you can even say the caps, Knock on wood. Um, They're knocked pretty hard on that wood there, bud. Yeah, well, but just I'm just saying that regardless, they've made it a series. If I, I mean, man, on paper, you, you, me, everybody would have said Edmonton in five, maybe six. I mean, and now it's got to be Edmonton in seven or else they're going home. Yeah. So, um, um, I don't know. I mean, the positive is that they get Darcy Kemper back for the second round, so they get their starting goalie. Um, it'll be interesting to see who they get in the second round. I'm personally hoping for the Wild, man. I, I think the Wild-St. Louis series has been the juiciest of them all. I know it's been bipolar back and forth, but those two teams see each other a lot. They're very familiar with each other. They're both extremely get difficult to play against. Um, I think either one deserves to move on. I personally want to see the Wild move on, but – Blues are a more complete team. Um, so here's where I'll jump in and cut you off. Uh, so I got a few futures placed on the NHL, and I really want the Wild to make it to the conference finals. I have futures on Colorado, already won their first-round series, Calgary, Minnesota, uh, and on the Eastern Conference, I've got Carolina and Florida. So basically, if Minnesota and Calgary win their series – I just need somebody to beat the winner of LA and um, Edmonton and I'm making some money. So I'm here for that. Uh, I will say though, I also want Minnesota to win because the, now that he's not in Pittsburgh and the more I watch him, the more I have grown to, I don't know if I want to say like, or just appreciate Marc-Andre Fleury. And I think the way that he got pushed out of Vegas was a raw deal. Yes. Uh, Chicago was just not a, a good spot for somebody of his caliber and his pedigree to really kind of land in. And, you know, the city or the st- city of Minnesota, the state <laughs> of Minnesota is a tortured state when it comes to their sports teams. So do I want to see them lose to St. Louis? No, like I want to see them win and move on because oftentimes between teams I don't care about, I'll probably lean on the team who I think has the cooler looking jerseys, which to me is the St. Louis blues, but I've just like those baby blue powder blues. mm -hmm. I, especially if they do the, like the reverse retro ones or whatever, where they have like the primary yellow, those are clean. 
Yeah. But in this case, like I've just, I've seen them struggle with St. Louis so much that I've just kind of started pulling for them. And I really want Minnesota to make it out. It, at least make it out of the first round because that's, that's a hated rivalry matchup right there. So I, I really want them to move on. Uh, I may have a future on Florida, but obviously my heart is with the Caps, so I will happily lose the money that I put on them uh, if the Caps take this series, especially because, I mean, if Carolina ends up coming out of the division, I, I make more money from Carolina anyway. Man, I mean, I, I will say you, what you're seeing in the Caps series has a lot to do with playoff experience and coaching experience. So before game four, which was to date the most important game, um, Florida has a interim head coach who will probably continue with them. Um, but you know, he's filling in for he who shall not, yeah, he, who, he shall, who shall not be named. Um, as I name drop him. Yeah, it's all good. (laughs) Some mirror just shattered somewhere. Um, (laughs) um, where was I going with this? Oh, um, so he's never coached in the playoffs before. And, you know, they go down 2-1. And I know that they ended up winning the game, but the Caps were the better team 99%, and maybe 95% of the game. I know the end result was not what we wanted, but he scrambled all of his lines. The lines that had been working for him all year. That's a That's a panic button move. Yeah. And it's one thing to, sh- to shift one guy here or there, shift a you know a deep herring or whatever. I mean, Even at that change- point, you're trying to just push buttons. You're not shifting everything. Right, but he shifted every – not a single deep herring was the same. So that, that to me shows de- desperation on their end, which obviously every team is desperate to a certain ex- extent, but – I don't know. Um, Caps have been the better team. Also, like depth down the center. Caps have that, and knock on wood, when they're healthy, which they are right now. Um, I mean, I, I take the Caps, you know, four, four centers over basically anybody's, maybe not Colorado's. Um, but, you know, the Panthers are a good team, man. Uh, they just it, – it, playoff experience. You know, you, they're in the NHL, you have to lose before you can win. It's it's not like, well, I, I guess it's kind of like other other leagues. Yeah, just about I mean, every other league. It's really, I'd say the only reason why an NFL team can kind of come out of nowhere is if you get like Patrick Mahomes. He lost. Yeah, he lost but, before but, but he like, won. He, but he made it that far. Because like you know, you would think like the natural progression would be like he loses in the, in his first round playoff game, but his, his first playoffs he made it to the conference title. And he was. Oh, uh, I mean. Yes, of course. Like McDude, McDavid's rookie year, or maybe it was his second year. No. It was either his rookie or his second year. His first time in the playoffs, they made it to the conference final. No one talks about that. I honestly forgot that that happened. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Nah, it's, it's. Meanwhile, say, no, what are you going to say? I was going to say, I'd say the NBA is probably the biggest example of that, though, because. The NBA is very star driven, but you don't see teams with rookies or like second or third year guys like making it that far. Like Giannis has been in the league for a surprisingly long time. If you look at LeBron. Yeah. So like the NBA is definitely probably like the biggest example of that because I just said probably definitely. (laughs) Hey man, it's all good. I got the vid. We're rolling. Yeah. Um, But I, I mean, 
you, you take a look at it and LeBron's that way. Um, Steph needed a few years and needed some other pieces to kind of develop around him. Uh, KD took a long time to get his first. Kobe wasn't winning uh, first ones. May he rest in peace uh, right away. Took Jordan a few years. I think the, like the only person who you could really say was up there from the start was probably Magic, but Magic had Kareem at the start of his career. So the the scales aren't exactly even on that one. But yeah, no, it's they're team sports for a reason, right? Yes. And which I know we're gonna pivot to NBA. Can I please just make a little interjection here and I'll give a nice little applause clap? The Orioles have been playing well. <laughs> I did not expect that one to come to come out. Um, I actually wasn't going to shift right to the NBA, but I guess we can. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm watching the Boston-Milwaukee series right now, and Boston uh, looks like they're in decent control of this game. The half- Milwaukee's cut it down after being down, I think, like double digits at halftime. They're only down six right now. Mm. But this is probably the best series in the second round right now. And honestly, the only reason why – is because John Morant got hurt. Because he got hurt. He was out for game three or game four, whatever their last game was. And Memphis only lost by three. So with John in the lineup, who knows what happens? It, they, they might take that game. And that series was just fun. But he's out. I think it's with like a bone bruise. So he might be out for the rest of the playoffs, depending on how long they stay in the playoffs. But that series just kind of got diminished because of that. Uh, Phoenix and Dallas, that one, I, I just, I haven't been able to pay attention to just because it's, it's on too late for me. Uh, and also the highlights look pretty like, oh, it's, it's Luca <laughs> and more Luca, but Phoenix won. So that, that series just doesn't really have a lot of pop to me. Uh, and then Miami and, and Philadelphia, that one also kind of like lost its pop with the injury to Joel Embiid. It, it got more interesting but he's when, back now. He is. And it got more interesting when Philly took two in Philly, but they got wrecked last night. Like that, that game was just never in doubt for Miami. So I, I don't know. I just, I don't see those tournaments going the full distance tournament series going the full distance. Uh, but I see the Boston Milwaukee one. I feel like that one could easily go seven. So the first round series, there were two series that were, you know, Really, really interesting. Now it feels like we're down to one. Uh, and then the conference finals, I, I don't even know how that's going to go because Miami is just – they're the definition of a team that just isn't sexy, which is weird to say based on like 10 years ago with the the big three, they were like the sexy, yeah. you know, South Beach. Like, you know, everybody was attracted to that team. Now they're, now they're honestly just like a grit and grind team, which does not make sense for the city of Miami, but it works for them. Uh, Phoenix, it's just, it's the Chris Paul story is, is appealing. It is. And I, I want him to win a championship. If I'm pulling for anybody in the NBA, it's Chris Paul, but it's just hard to get behind them because one, as much as I want Chris Paul to win the the tournament, I'd really like him to stop hitting people in the balls. He has a. He has a habit of that going all the way back to his days at Wake Forest. I was going to say, you didn't. You got to see him play a few times at Wake Forest, right? Uh, yeah, I drove down there once with my brother and saw him play live. It was awesome. But Freak of nature. 
he's just he's so good there's i i because he's he's not really like a, a silky smooth style of player he's he's actually like he's he's very like herky jerky with his movements but it's just so good and the leadership that he brings to a team like is actually quantifiable because you look at the teams that he's on when he's there they are consistently making it to the playoffs making deeper runs and if he gets hurt they fall apart but then especially like when he leaves the franchise just falls apart Phoenix where are the was, clippers at <laughs> yeah phoenix was nothing before he got there just a bunch of talented guys who had no clue how to win and then he gets there and you know next thing you know they're in the nba championship going against milwaukee so who who knows but that's just I don't know. It's it's disappointing that this round doesn't have a little bit more intrigue to me because you know even the guys who are like huge NBA heads one guy I listened to in particular he loves talking NBA playoffs and his Monday episode of his podcast he took time out to like talk about F1 instead Oof. of yeah instead of NBA playoffs he talked like one one series in the first round and kind of like briefly glossed over everything else. And that was really my sign. I was like, all right, this, this second round really isn't all that. You know, it's Boston, Milwaukee might be, you know, entertaining, could go the distance. Uh, old man Al Horford, you know, dusted off the, the skill set and basically willed them to a victory in their last game. So stories like that are kind of cool, but that's like a one-off. I don't know. It's, it, it's kind of a, a bummer where, you know, the first round series with Minnesota and Memphis was so electric, no matter what was happening, that I'm a little bit let down by the follow-up round. Yeah. I mean, first round was electric, and there wasn't even a game seven. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they very easily could have been, too. It's just Carl Anthony Towns took a ridiculous three-pointer from, like, 35 feet. Yeah. So, I don't know. that That series easily could have gone seven which I think is why it was also so electric. It was like everybody felt that there was a possibility for it to go seven. That's kind of why Boston and Milwaukee feels entertaining because it could go seven. But yeah, I feel like Golden State's going to handle Memphis now the jaw's out. I feel like Dallas got two in Dallas. Dallas is a a gritty team, though. I mean, they could force the seven. I mean, they, they could. I just don't see it happening, especially because, you know, put on my tinfoil hat for a second here. Uh, people are, you know, suggesting that there might have been some favorable refereeing <laughs> uh, in Dallas to make sure that this series went longer uh, to try to make it up two to two. Uh, same thing with uh, Miami and Philly. Who knows? But yeah, it's just I, I don't know. I kind of don't really feel the spark out of three of the four series, which I keep saying, but it's, I don't know. I'm just disappointed. NBA, man. Yeah. I don't know. Like maybe the conference finals will kind of pick back up because at that point you'll have the two best teams in each conference. Uh, Phoenix Golden State would actually be really interesting. I'll admit. Um, I really don't know if the Eastern conference will be interesting just because Miami is such a nondescript team. And I, I am I am assuming that Miami is going to win this series. That, you know, whether it's Boston or Milwaukee, you might be surprised if Miami takes the series. I mean, they are the number one seed, so it shouldn't be that shocking. But Boston and Milwaukee are kind of like the, the glamour teams in the East. So 
you know, if Miami like surprises them and wins, I think more people will just go, oh, all right, well, I guess I won't watch the finals now because they've got a boring team. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I think a Miami-Milwaukee matchup could be interesting. Maybe. I'd, I'd, want, I'd want them to go back to their Vice City jerseys, though. I, I love those jerseys compared to their regular jerseys. They're so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess an NBA playoff or NBA teams kind of just get to choose that willy-nilly what they wear. Uh, yes, and that's no. probably a better answer. That's probably a better question for Google. Yeah, I mean, I think that obviously the home team gets first choice because now they they don't make the home teams always wear white. Uh, but I think alternate jerseys might be up to the discretion of the league. I was going to say, I know for NHL, you have to wear your primaries. So your home, your standard home and standard away for the playoffs. Right. Um, so, which is a relatively new rule, I'd say within the past five years. Because if you look back early 2010s, which is so weird to say, Caps used to wear their alternates. There's a few game sixes and game sevens in particular against the Rangers that come to mind of us losing in those. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, let's let's wrap things up. Uh, we will touch a couple news and notes. Uh, the first one, not really much to get into with this because no idea when he's going to start because he's playing another season. But Tom Brady is about to get absolutely paid by Fox Sports to be an announcer. Uh, admittedly, kind of surprised that he wants to do it because I figured that with the way that his personality has been, you know, very non-answer, like just you know, very play it safe uh you know always protect the brand sort of stuff i I figured that he'd probably retire and like want to kind of get out of the public eye but at the same time he retired for like four months and then came back so yeah something's weird about that to me like i don't know if he like sat down with his family and was like here are the options that i have and then like then made the decision after announcing he was retiring it's kind of weird it's it's odd that that's really where i'll leave it at it's Tom Brady, but he's yeah. a very rich man. <laughs> he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> Basically, yeah. even deflate some footballs. Uh, the other big news and note that came out is the NCAA in its uh, perpetual need to stay relevant, even in the, the worst of times for the worst of reasons. Uh, they are now trying to add regulations to name, image, and likeness because they realize that they complete, they open up the doors to the wild, wild west and they thought for some reason things would be tame. Uh, they forgot about that wild part of the wild, wild west, even though it's said twice. Uh, so now they're basically trying to like limit booster involvement, which if we're being honest, that that's just name, image, and likeness. Like that's, that's all it is. It's just booster involvement. So I don't really know where they're going with this. I know that you'll be happy to have some regulations. Uh, so that way, you know, players are, you know, kind of committed more to teams and things like that. I am hard pressed to say that I'm fully on board with like forcing a kid to commit to a school forever. Uh, I know that you're sitting there for like, you know, at least maybe go back to the one year off rule. Uh, if it's basketball, I could maybe say like, you know, hey, take half a season off, join your team like halfway through the year because it kind of just throws a monkey wrench into everything. So if you're going to throw a monkey wrench into, you know, the team that you originally committed to's plans and all that, 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 that thought crossed my mind, but also coaches can leave whenever they want to without any repercussions. So 
Yeah, but the thing is, is that the players need to be treated different than the coaches at some at some level. I I don't even I think taking a year off is maybe too strict, honestly. But there needs to be some type of rules and regulations where you don't aren't just hopping schools every year, looking for the biggest you know wad of cash you can get. Players deserve to get paid one thousand percent. You know, some of them are getting paid a lot of money, and that's okay. You know, if they are deemed to be worth it, that's fine in my opinion. Um, but I just like I want to see some type of continuity with the teams, and I'm sure the coaches are are are, are you know vying for that too. Um, I just you know I want to be able to see the same player on on the same team two years back to back. Build some type of core, some type of chemistry. Um, I don't know. The only real counter I have to players and coaches being treated differently is that my view, I think players should be treated better than coaches, not hmm. by much, but I think they should be treated better than them because to me, coaches are middle management while the players are the product. So it's, it's not like they're ground level employees. I mean, they essentially are employees, but they, they are the product. College sport is sports is made by college athletes. You know, if, if they're not at a school, then they're just basically in the minor leagues. This, people don't really care much about the minor leagues. I mean, take a look over in Europe and look at all their soccer leagues. They could care less about the lower divisions. You know, we, we like college because there's like a romanticism to it. So it, I think that your best way of trying to keep things kind of like, like have some more continuity to things as each season goes into the next one find a way to like incentivize players to stay at their current school. I have no clue how you would do that, but you know, I feel like in this case, especially because if I've learned anything with the current batch of kids that I'm teaching in high school, this generation, and I'm not saying this as a, you know, old man, get off my lawn because my generation has similar issues, but this generation is very self-centered and very selfish. To a degree, should they be? Yes. But, you know, it's one of those where they could care less about like loyalty or anything like that. What they care about is just, you know, give me my money, uh, especially for some who are in very, very tough situations growing up. You know, their first thing is I need some money. I need to take care of my fam. I need to take care of myself, put food on the table. And knowing that coaches get an insane amount of money and they don't have any concerns whatsoever in their lives. I mean, John Calipari literally just takes a private jet for University of Kentucky anytime he wants to go on a, on a recruiting trip. I, I just feel like they should get more because they are the only reason why middle management and those above are able to make the money that they do. Because without them, they've got nothing. I mean, makes sense. I mean, the students are the product, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I once again, I told you this before we we start recording. I don't get paid to make these decisions, <laughs> but you know, it's one of these things where it's like whatever rules they put in place, it'll get broken. <laughs> you know, this is just how how this stuff is going to roll. Um, I don't know. I guess I just don't like the transferring more than anything. I mean, it's, it's hard because, like, you want to get attached to players. You want to feel like you get to know them and just the way that college sports used to be. So I, I totally get it. I mean, just because just about every – I mean, I'm going to be honest. That's one of the things that, that irks me 
the most about European soccer is like the whole transfer portal thing, how they all just, or whatever, transfer period, how these guys just like hop teams left and right. I, you know, I, I maybe I'm old school in that sense. I want some loyalty, um, whether it's at the minor league level, whether it's at the, you know, professional level or even the college level. Um, I mean, the truth is it's just harder to keep track of. Yeah. <laughs> so I expect you the European soccer stuff's over my head. Uh, yeah, I, I don't even bother with it. That's why I pay attention to the World Cup and nothing but the World Cup. <laughs> I, the, the problem is I want to pay attention to the league. I want to follow the Premier League. I want to follow Serie A, but... <sighs> it, it ain't worth it. I mean, it, it could be worth it, but like in terms of like trying to invest the, the time and brain space into figuring out something that we don't already know, then it's... I don't know. For, for me... It's not worth diving into, at least not at this point in my life. Um, so that was, that was going to be my last news and note. However, uh, while we were talking about this, the floodgates of hell opened up in the New York and Pittsburgh yeah. series. Yeah. And four goals got scored in a manner of like, what, five minutes? Yeah, Rangers just scored three <laughs> goals in uh, – sorry, three – yeah, three goals in three minutes. and uh, Or no, two goals? What was it? Three goals in three, – Three goals because they were down two zip. Yeah, sorry. They scored three goals in two minutes. And, oh, wow. Uh, two minutes. <laughs> yeah, and then the Penguins just scored. So it's tied 3-3. Wild, wild west, man. Yeah, I mean, that game looked like it was going to be, you know, kind of Pittsburgh just putting a bow on their series. And then next thing you know, Pandora's box opens up and, and all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I, I don't – I don't know. Well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, on, on that note, I mean, the, the craziness of NHL playoffs will continue. NBA playoffs – Hopefully they kind of get their stuff together. Uh, the Caps also just scored. They're up to nothing right now. Uh, Your so stream is ahead of mine. Chris and I are very, very happy people at the moment. Uh, with that said, uh, again, thanks everybody for listening. Monday, we have a huge guest coming on to record with us. Um, I'm nervous. Please, please be ready to listen to that. Uh, I, I don't think we have a reason to be nervous. He seems like a, a pretty... I don't know his personality, but everything that I see from his broadcast, he just seems like a pretty straightforward guy. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I, I think that uh, we'll have a good time. I, I had great interactions with him on Twitter. Uh, I tried my best not to seem like an ego, egocentric jackass. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that's why he's willing to come on. At least I hope that's the reason why he's willing to come on. Uh, but we'll have that out for you. But for now, uh, thanks again for listening to this, and we'll see you guys Let's next Let's go week. Caps.